This is Oklahoma football. All right, we're back. Welcome to another edition of the Mainline Podcast. It is Thursday, January 14th. This is Tyler Burton. We're proud to be joined once again by Mr. Adam Jacquez as we wrap up another successful college football season. Uh, Adam, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. It's uh, it's a weird feeling knowing that we're not going to have football for so long, and I think the tensions are going to be high this offseason, just as we've seen th- for the first couple of weeks here where it's really important this season for OU football to really compete for a national title and, and actually make it there, if not win it all. So I think it's going to be an interesting offseason for sure. Yeah, I mean, expectations are at an all-time high for OU going into next September. I mean, I think we're about 230 days away from kicking off the 2021 season. So um, I'm already looking forward to it with the team that we've got coming back up here in Norman. Expectations are going to be through the roof, and I know we'll dive into that as we continue to move throughout the offseason, uh, kind of you know lo- looking ahead to, to what OU is going to be bringing back next fall and um, really kind of lay out the expectations and what we think this OU football team can do uh, because I think that this has a chance to be OU's best complete team uh, here in Norman that we've had in almost, honestly probably over a decade. So really excited to see um, what's going to happen next fall. And like I said, we're I think we're just over 230 days away. So it'll be here before we know it. And we've got a lot to, to talk about in the meantime. But um, really, dude, uh, today just kind of wanted to talk a few things, uh, kind of do – a little bit of, uh, you know, outside thinking or thinking outside the box. Um, talk a little bit of Spencer Rattler, kind of some of the uh, how he played this past year, kind of doing a season review, kind of going over his stats, expectations. Did he meet him? Did he fall short? Or honestly, did he even exceed expectations as a uh, as a as a redshirt freshman this year? And uh, talk a little bit about the the college football rankings after it wasn't five minutes after uh, the national championship game was over. Everybody already had their way too early top 25 uh, polls for next year coming out. So, uh, dude, let's just dive right into it, man. Spencer Rattler, uh, take it away, Adam. Yeah, so I wanted to just take some time to really review his season in depth because obviously the quarterback position is going to be the most important player on the field. And so a lot of, you know, our success in 2021 is going to hinge around, you know, what kind of player he is and can he carry this team. And and so looking back, he finished with 3,031 yards, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 67.5% completion percentage, and 172.6 passer rating. Also had 160 yards on the ground and six touchdowns. And so we do have to keep in mind this was on only 11 games. Normally it would be about 14 games played in a season. And so I think if you look at that, I would say – Pretty solid uh, stats so far, but but what would you? I guess what what is your biggest takeaway from looking at his stat line? The biggest thing for me, when kind of breaking down the stat line, looking at it, you know, going on a game by game basis throughout the entire season, when when you look at his total numbers, twenty eight touchdowns, seven interceptions, throwing the football. If you if you look at the two losses that OU had or back in weeks two and three of this year, losing to Kansas State and Iowa State, in both of those games, you know, Spencer had six touchdowns and threw four interceptions. So you take away the two performances in that game, those four turnovers, he still finishes with a stat line of twenty-two touchdowns and three total interceptions throwing the football. So he made some mistakes early in the year, you know, the gelling, get it having a new offensive line, a few new pieces and new positions. 
Um, not having, you know, Ramondre Stevenson in the running game, it really put Spencer into a situation early in the year where he was forced to make some plays to kind of essentially win OU the football game down the stretch against Kansas State, against Iowa State up in Ames. And as good as he played through, you know, large portions of both those football games, he just made a few mistakes that we expect a freshman, uh, somebody in his shoes to make. And it was really, it was really fun especially from the the end of the first half of the Texas game when when Lincoln Riley essentially set Spencer down for a couple of series once he came back out to start the second half of the Cotton Bowl he was a completely different player from the rest of the season on so um, that was probably the the most fun for me as you know watching Spencer grow as the year went on and on seeing him progress there's still a few things that I want to see him continue to get better at We'll touch on that here in just a second. But all in all, I mean, I, I think that it was a pretty successful year for Spencer Rattler, winning a Big 12 championship, uh, winning a New Year's Six Bowl. And, you know, I, I think he he's a chan- he has a chance to, uh, if he's not already, he's probably going to be the best quarterback uh, coming back for 2021 across the, across the landscape of college football. Yeah, I, I would say as far as my expectations going into the year, I think he met them. I think possibly, and we've seen what the pro football focus stats saying, how many touchdowns were dropped that he threw. And man, he threw so many good ones to Theo Weiss, to Rambo, uh, to all sorts of guys in the end zone. And they're just dropped or, or not tracked properly. And so I think if a few of those touchdowns had been caught, his stats would look even better. And I would say exceeded expectations, probably because we wouldn't have had two losses here at the end of the year. But I think overall, I had really high expectations for him going into the year. I think he, he met those. He really looked like a clone of Patrick Mahomes in a way where he can throw it at any angle, on a rope, 40 yards down the field. He can really place the ball anywhere that it needs to be. So I would say he met my expectations. And I'm pretty pumped to see where he can take that going into next year. I did want to do a quick player comparison, though, just to see you know who you think these guys are. Uh, and so I've got player A threw for 3,857 yards, 35 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And then player B threw for 3,700 yards, 36 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Who do you think those two players are? Is this on a uh, across the entire country? Is this the big? Is this the Big Twelve or what, what? What am I looking at here with these two players? I'll give you a hint. One of these players is a former Oklahoma quarterback, compared to a quarterback this year. Um, it might be a little tough. It, it's kind of a yeah. Tough. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, or. I'm going to guess is player A Baker's first year in this system with Lincoln Riley? You're really close. Player B is Baker Mayfield's 2015 season. So his first year with Lincoln Riley. And then player A is actually not a real stat line. It's what Spencer Radler's stats would have been over 14 games if you just take the averages of what he did in 11 games and, and extrapolate it out to 14 games. Wow. And so it's, I think he probably would have a little bit better stats than that because he would have had more non-conference games to, to bump it up and to get the experience under his belt before having to go up against your Iowa State and Kansas State. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just considering that and being his second year in college versus Baker Mayfield was in his third season in college at that point, had already started 
I think half a year at Texas Tech. So he had quite a bit more experience than Spencer Rattler did at this point. I think that's just interesting to see how similar those stats would have been. Well, and even to take it one step further, I mean, you you alluded to it to it earlier. I mean, Spencer Rattler had, I think it was, it added up once the Florida game was over. He had ten touchdown passes that were dropped um, throughout the entire season. So if if you add those ten on top of it, thirty eight touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions. You know, that's with only eleven games played. So when you when you look at what Baker did back during the twenty fifteen season in his first year at Oklahoma, and you look at the stat line, see what Spencer Rattler, what he would have projected to have done had he played a full season. I think that's what's got OU fans so excited about the future of this kid. We saw what he did this year. We know about what Baker did back in 2015, how he grew, how he matured as he spent more time under, you know, being coached by Lincoln Riley and getting more familiar with this system. That's why I think expectations are going to be at an all-time high for this kid because we saw it all season long and I think that there was no play that highlighted it even more than that than that play um, against Florida in the Cotton Bowl where Spencer had to roll out and essentially it looked like he just was going to throw the ball away throws it from the opposite hash all the way to the sideline and it's just a perfect ball to the OU receiver in between two Florida defenders so uh, I, I completely agree with you Spencer Rattler he he met my expectations uh, they were high coming into this year just because of all the you know five-star quarterback number one quarterback in the country you know s- sitting behind Jalen Hurts last year um, you know there was uh, talk during the offseason last year that you know Jalen found himself in a quarterback battle against Spencer Rattler and you know as we've seen for the last two or three years okay Lincoln's just saying that there's clearly the, the guy who starts is clearly the better player after seeing the way Spencer played football this year, I've I found that you know believable that, that he was in a battle last year with Jalen Hurts, and who knows if he if he goes through a spring ball last year and, and has a full off season, maybe he was playing quarterback last year. But um, lo- looking at some of the things, Adam, that, that I want to see you know Spencer c- to improve on, continue to grow. For me, there's a couple different things. One is going through the progressions. You know, we saw it. We saw it with Baker his first year here here at Oklahoma. It seemed like he was always looking for the big play, always looking for the home run threat. I want to see Spencer, as he moves into his second year as a starting quarterback at Oklahoma, continue to go through those progressions. If the big play is not there initially, look for the check down routes. Look for the look for the throws underneath the drag routes across the field. Um, you know th- those have kind of been you know the bread and butter of this passing game especially what Lincoln was able to do with Baker and Kyler, throwing those short underneath routes, throw it five, six yards, and let them run for 40 or 50. So I want to see him continue to grow, continue to go through his progressions, the check downs, the underneath routes, and also tighten up the footwork a little bit. And Again, we saw the progression that he made. He really improved upon it as the year went on, back during the early part of the football season, especially during those two losses. If there was ever any pressure surrounding him, even if he was comfortable in the pocket, he still had happy feet. He still had a tendency maybe to move up into the pocket or move into to pressure that wasn't there or you know escape the pocket a little bit too early. So there are a few things that I want to see Spencer to continue to prove fundamentally on. And I think giving him a full offseason, especially with the spring practice under Leakin Riley, and a complete offseason to, to kind of, you know, fine-tune those things, I, I think he's in store for a fantastic 2021 season. I agree with all that you said about the mechanics and, and everything that he's doing on the field. For me, I really want to see him take a step in leadership, and I think he he was doing that there at the end of the season. At the beginning, you know, there was a lot of hype, and everyone knew he was talented, but he still had to prove it on the field to his teammates, and he got off to a little bit of a slow start. 
even though I don't think Iowa State and K-State were necessarily losses because of him, he didn't also didn't win those games for us either. So I think as the season went on, especially against Florida, you saw him really interacting with his team teammates in a real leadership way. And I think if we're going to have a championship run here at the end of the 2021 season, it's going to take place between now and our very first game and how all those spring workouts and summer workouts and training camp and everything that goes uh, before the season. And so he's going to play such a huge role in defining what the tone of all those different practices and workouts are. And so he can be a guy that's going to elevate everyone else around him uh, before anyone even steps foot on the field. So that's where I want to see that leadership really shine through. And I think that the improvements that he can make both fundamentally, and then if you pair that with him taking a bigger role in terms of a leadership position within this football team, something that we saw happen with with Baker and Kyler, and especially Jalen last year, you know, the, the quarterback position is a, is a captain. They're, they're supposed to be, you know, the, the not, maybe not necessarily the talking head, but that's that's the focal point. That's the first person that people look to when, when you know, evaluating and looking at a football team. So there, there's already expectations of him. You know, he's the he's the front runner for the Heisman Trophy for, for 2021. It's already you, you see all these mock drafts a year in advance. Seems like he's, you know, kind of the consensus number one quarterback on the board for 2021 which is kind of scary to think about because this kid's only 18 19 years old but adam i thought i thought that it would be fun now that we've seen more and more quarterbacks kind of declare for the draft uh for, for the one that's coming up here in this in the uh, summertime you've got trevor lawrence justin Fields, zach wilson mac jones came out today he's declaring for the draft and then a few others as well when you look at Spencer Rattler after one year of play, Adam, how do you think he how do you think he would factor in to to this upcoming NFL draft if he were eligible to to do it this springtime? Well, I think he'd be very intriguing simply because of the accuracy and basically having the arm to make any type of throw all over the field. Now he's not the biggest guy; he's only about six foot. He could probably still add about ten or fifteen pounds to really bulk up a little bit. Um, but he also doesn't have a ton of tape as much as some of the guys that are, are in the draft right now with, you know, your Kyle Trask, uh, your Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields and, and guys like that. I don't think he's would have any type of consideration to be above a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Those guys are um, much more on a different level than, than Spencer Radler is. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts out of the next tier of quarterbacks that are expected to go in the draft do you think that he could play or, or place himself ahead of any of these guys in this year's draft if he was eligible? Um, and those guys would be Mac Jones from Alabama, Zach Wilson from BYU, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, and Kyle Trask from Florida. It's kind of tough to predict simply because he has played one year of college football, and like I said, he's a he's an 18, 19-year-old kid that's, you know, essentially he's a redshirt freshman right now. So when you kind of go down the different, you go down the list and the different tiers of quarterbacks prospects that are entering this 2021 that are going to be part of this draft class. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is is far and away the best prospect for for 2021. Hell, he might even be the best prospect that we've seen enter the NFL draft since Andrew Luck came out of Stanford a few years ago. Um, Justin Fields, I th I think that I think that Spencer's got just as good of an arm, maybe somewhat better, especially with the accuracy as Justin Fields. Now he's obviously not as good of an athlete, is not as dynamic with his feet outside the pocket uh, as Justin is. You look at a guy like Zach Wilson, I like him. I think he's kind of an undervalued player in this draft. I think he's he's probably the third best quarterback in this draft. 
Um, and then kind of right after that, man, I mean, Trey Lance, I really haven't seen enough tape on him. I know that he's kind of your, you know, he's your typical, um, you know, pro style quarterback. You know, he's got the big frame. He's six, three, six, four. He's a big kid. He can move Kyle Trask. I, I don't know. Spencer's got, I think Spencer's got a much better arm than, than Kyle does. I thought Trask had a fantastic year. Um, we kind of saw, you know, what, how, you know, how, how deeply it hurt him when he lost, you know, those four or five receivers in the cotton bowl. He didn't look like he looked like a completely different quarterback, but um, Kellen Mond, Sam Ellinger, both guys that have played four to five years of football have spent four to five years in the college system playing quarterback. I take Spencer over both those guys any day of the week. So um, outside of Lawrence Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, I probably take Mac Jones instead of Spencer right now. If if you were forcing me to, I think that uh, Spencer has a has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones. Um, but but again, I, I think that Spencer, you know, he's probably a top four, top five quarterback if he were to come out in two, in two, this upcoming draft. And then you fast forward all the way to 2022, Adam, you've got a few names written down here, like Sam Howell, JT Daniels at Georgia, Keaton Slovis at USC. I think it's going to be an interesting argument. It's going to be fun to watch all these guys compete uh, against one each against one another going into next year because I, I think Spencer could be the first quarterback off the board in 2021 if, if he decides to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, looking at Kyle Trask, I think Spencer outplayed him in the Cotton Bowl for everyone to see. And, I would say Kyle Trask probably projects, you know, at a ceiling of a Ryan Tannehill type of player, whereas Spencer Radler can project maybe not Mahomes good, but a little bit below Mahomes if he can get to that level and continue to develop. He's not that guy today. He's not going to be that guy after next year. He's going to have to really work hard to get there, but he has that potential if he can match that. And so I think, this upcoming season, Spencer Rattler is really going to have a huge spotlight on him. As we mentioned, there's not a bunch of big names coming back to, you know, at Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State. He's really the premier quarterback in all of college football outside of Sam Howell, but he's at UNC and that they just don't get nearly as much media attention as in Oklahoma does. So it's really Spencer Rattler's Heisman Trophy to lose. It's his spotlight and probably his number one pick to lose. If you look at a comparison between Radler and and Hal, it's it's like a one inch and fifteen pound difference. It's not huge, uh, and I think Spencer Radler's arm talent is is superior than Sam Hal. So I I think it's very realistic that uh, Radler could be the number one pick. And just looking at what you know, some mock drafts there are actually mock drafts out there for twenty twenty two. Believe it or not, but. Draft order, I think that it's pretty consensus that Atlanta or Detroit might have the number one pick. Maybe maybe Chicago, we'll see. I think all three of those teams could be looking quarterback, though. Um, and I know some people around me have some bias towards the Lions. I would love to see them in Detroit, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> not much of a not much going on there football wise. When you when you look at the talent and you look at the this such a high ceiling that that Spencer has going into twenty twenty one, I think that's why a lot of OU fans, you know, around here are are so not not necessarily worried, but that's why there is such a huge emphasis around you know OU making a splash in the transfer portal right now. You know, getting another offensive tackle like Wanya Morris, you know, somebody that could come in and you know automatically step into one of those offensive tackle positions to kind of go along. A lot, uh, you know, be on the other side of somebody like an Anton Harrison or a Stacy Wilkins, and also Adam, like what we've seen 
over the last couple of years where you've got Joe Burrow, who was throwing to dynamic playmakers like Jamar Chase, like Justin Jefferson. Fast forward this year, what Mac Jones, how easy his job, how much easier his job was made when you've got guys like Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith out on the edge. Looking at the skill group in the in the wide receiver room that's going to be in Norman next year, I don't know if you're going to have a have a more talented wide receiver room in the entire country next year. When you look at what's coming back in a Jaden Hazelwood, who's going to have a full offseason to continue to get healthy, continue to train. Trajan Bridges, Theo Weiss, I, you know, those are three five-stars right there. And then you look at a guy like Marvin Mims, who had a fantastic freshman season. Can he take another step up or you know, avoid that sophomore slump? You're going to get Austin Stogner back. You're going to have all those weapons in the, uh, at the at the H-back position. Uh, and then not to mention, too, the the receiving class that's coming in that Dennis Simmons and Kale Gundy have put together uh, for the class of 2020 uh, or 2021, excuse me, uh, has been fantastic. So sky's the limit for Spencer going into 2021. Um, but like you said earlier, Adam, it's all about what you do between now, January 14th, all the way up until prior to kickoff on September 4th against Tulane. Uh, going through those off-season workouts, grinding, growing, not only you know, not only physically on the football field, but also mentally, getting in the film room, getting with Lincoln Riley, continuing to study, continuing to figure out how to dissect defenses and and reads and different things like that. So, um, it, it's a huge it's a huge ceiling that Spencer has from a talent standpoint, and I can't wait to see how he's going to grow into that uh, and how he's going to play next football season. So, uh, anything else on that, Adam? Before we kind of transition. Not really. I, I just have a ton of confidence in Spencer to continue to grow, and I, I'm really pumped to see what he can do, especially with a healthy receiving core and uh, hopefully a full offseason to really get in sync with everyone. I think it's going to be really exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, let's kind of let's kind of change gears here. Um, like we said, it, it wasn't five minutes after the Alabama-Ohio State game. Everybody's already looking looking ahead to next year, the top 25 poll that it seems like every news news outlet in the country ha- had a top 25 poll put out. So uh, we, we looked at a couple different ones. Obviously, OU was ranked anywhere from one to four, depending on which one you were looking at. But uh, let's go ahead and go with ESPN's way too early top 25 here. Um, just kind of some, some of the, uh, the major takeaways, Adam. Um, I'll just kind of start it off here, kind of going down the top six or eight. Uh, and then I'll throw it over to you to kind of, you know, let, let us know what stands out from you. Uh, they got Clemson at one, Alabama at two, Oklahoma coming in at three, Georgia four, Ohio State five, Texas A&M at six, North Carolina at seven, and the fighting Cyclones of Iowa State coming in at number eight. Um, so, Adam, just what are some of your early takeaways on the uh, ESPN poll? Yeah, I think the question all offseason for Iowa State is going to be, can they handle the expectations? And this year, I feel like they they proved that they could because early on they were considered dark horse for the Big 12, but then they came out, beat OU in Ames, and looked like the strongest team in the conference. And so I, I felt like they did handle expectations pretty well. They're going to have a ton of starters uh, back in Ames. So uh, look out for the Cyclones again this year. But uh, you know, looking at the top of the standings, I think I would flip Clemson. Uh, well, I, I guess I would keep Clemson ahead of Alabama simply because, you know, DJ Uyunglele, I like I liked what I saw from him this year in the two games that he started. You know, he, he performed really well in South Bend against Notre Dame and looked solid against Boston College as well. And Alabama's going to be breaking in a new quarterback, albeit one that's a five-star recruit. So, Maybe there won't be a drop-off, uh, but maybe there will be a little bit of a learning curve. We'll see. And uh, and so 
I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I don't see any reason, you know, why OU can't make their way into that number one conversation and, and at least try to run the table and get into that preferred one seed to hopefully play a weaker opponent in the first round of the playoff. Yeah, I I almost completely agree with you. When I first saw this poll come out, there were a couple things that kind of jumped off the page to me. Um, one, Clemson and Alabama being one and two. I, I think that I would probably put Alabama at number one simply because of the fact that they are going to have nine defensive guys coming back next year. I know that they're going to be replacing a ton of guys on the offensive side of the football, but if there's one thing that we know about Alabama and Nick Saban, it's just every year – it's it's not a it's not a rebuild it's it's a reload so i know that uh you know bringing in you know the new coaching staff seems like all those guys are heading to austin right now we'll touch on that a little bit later but um alabama i would probably put them at number one right now simply because they are the defending national champions they do have nick saban and they've got that they've got that hot shot five-star quarterback at alabama as well as five stars all the way across the board so um clemson probably at number two for me they they are going to be they're going to have 10 defensive starters back next year so brent venables he's going to have the those guys uh ready to go they're they're probably going to take another step forward i think that clemson's defense this year didn't quite live up to the standards that we've seen over the past five or six years from a Dabo Sweeney coach team. But when you look at Clemson, they've got that huge matchup week one against Georgia up in Charlotte. That's a huge game for both teams. Obviously, you want to get off to a good start. But honestly, because at the, at the same time, too, you lose your week one, uh, you lose a game in week one. Essentially, you lose one more game the rest of the year. That knocks you out of playoff contention. So, uh, Clemson week one against Georgia, that's a big one. They obviously have South Carolina. That's a rivalry game that takes place every uh, every single year in the non-conference. But other than that, Adam, the ACC next year, I don't think is going to be that tough. And Clemson's schedule next year, I don't think is going to be that tough, especially when you look at they're not going to have to play North Carolina in the regular season. So I think right now their toughest game is could potentially be maybe Florida State, maybe at Pittsburgh. So Clemson's definitely one to kind of keep an eye on. They're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. OU, I think I'd probably, I think I'm comfortable with OU at three or four simply because of the fact that. Out of all the heavyweights that we've seen across college football, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame this year, every single one of the teams that were in the playoff this past year is going to be breaking in a brand-new quarterback. So that's where OU's got a huge advantage coming back into 2021. They're going to have a, they're going to have a returning starter um, at the quarterback position. They're going to have experience. They're going to have a really solid offensive and defensive line. So I like what OU's going to be able to do, especially given the fact you're going to get Kennedy Brooks and Jalen Redmond back. Uh, as well as a, a really strong recruiting class that's going to be coming in also. Uh, Georgia at four, I had absolutely no problem with. JT Daniels, what he's going to be able to do, given a full offseason healthy. I think that Georgia with JT and uh, and a really good Bulldog defense, I think they're going to be uh, poised to make a big run. I don't know what I'm going to get from Ohio State. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Obviously, they've got talent. Same goes for Texas A&M. I think A&M being number six, in my opinion, might be a little too high. I know that a and is going to have a really good defense next year, but you're losing Kellen Mond. You're going to lose four offensive linemen. Now, given me personally, Adam, I don't think Kellen Mond is going to be missed a tremendous amount. I think he was honestly kind of a liability with some of the, you know, kind of lacking the dynamic playmaking uh, at the quarterback position for the Aggies. But A&M is probably a little too high. 
Iowa State's going to be – I think Iowa State, if they can manage the expectations, they're going to be so good. And then, you know, look maybe look at a team like Cincinnati who's going to be returning 15 or 16 starters. Maybe they can put a second consecutive run together uh, and kind of maybe sneak their way into another New Year's Six. Or maybe if chaos ensues, maybe find their way into that four seed. So, um, Adam – what what are your what did you say your top four would be if you were if you were kind of laying it out if you were filling out a poll? Yeah, I think I would probably go Clemson, Bama, OU, uh, probably Georgia. I'd probably keep it exactly how ESPN has it. Um, Ohio State's a little interesting for me because looking at them, they're going to have to replace quite a few guys, including you know a quarterback, and I'm not sure that there is a clear guy that gives me a lot of confidence on their roster yet. And maybe that's just because I don't follow Ohio state closely to know exactly what's, what's going to happen there. But just looking down the list at other big 10 teams that are ranked Indiana at number 10, that's a little bit of a head scratcher for me. I know they return a lot of, of good players and they had a great year, but asking Indiana to do that over 12 games with as tough as the big 10 is, I think is, I don't think that, they're going to finish in the top 10 going into 2021. And so uh, I hope they do. That'd be a great story, but I just don't know if they have that in them. But looking down the list, Iowa is returning, uh, you know, their their quarterback, Spencer Petras, who was pretty solid down the stretch. I think they're really ramping up for one of their runs where they have a really great year. And then, you know, the other three years they go seven, five. But I think Iowa could be really solid. Also looking at the Big Ten, Wisconsin, Looks like they finally have a quarterback, and out of anybody this year, I think Wisconsin and Penn State probably have the most excuse as far as a mulligan year with how COVID and injuries and things like that turned out for them. But I think Wisconsin's going to be a tough out. And then they've got Penn State down here at number 22. They had multiple season-ending injuries, opt-outs, and all sorts of stuff that really plagued their season. And it's interesting stat. I just saw this tweeted by Reddit College Football. The active win streak in college football right now is Alabama with 14, Oklahoma and A&M at eight. Uh, you've got Ball State and Louisiana at seven, Iowa at six, Big Ten. And then Penn State's tied with two others at four. So even though Penn State got off to a horrendous start this past season, they finished pretty strongly. And so uh, I think they're going to be tough. But also notice who I ne- didn't even mention that was ranked, wasn't ranked, was Michigan and Michigan State. And I think both those teams – could potentially be better than than what they had in 2020. So Ohio State's got some tough outs on their schedule for sure. Yeah, I was just about to say the fact that you've got five Big Ten teams in this top 25 poll and the Michigan schools aren't, aren't even included in that. So um, that, Not even def- Northwestern either. No, yeah. not even Northwestern. Yeah. So another kind of head-scratcher for me was Florida being at 16. L- looking at what Dan Mullen, that clown, what, what that team is, is losing – on both sides of the football. I, I think that Florida, hopefully they will take a step uh, step up uh, and play on the defensive side of the football, but they're going to be breaking in a ton of new guys uh, on offense, new quarterback, new basically new skill guys all the way across the board. So Florida might be a little too high, but um, obviously ESPN, you got to find a way to get as many SEC teams in that top 25 poll as possible, um, something that we've seen. And obviously Texas coming in at 21. I like yeah. that. Honestly, I, I – I was expecting them maybe to come in, you know, maybe at anywhere from, you know, eight to to fifteen, and honestly, they they might have put ESPN might have put them uh, as high as that if this would have been done post Steve Sarkeesian, which 
you know, we'll dive into that as we move further into the offseason. It kind of looks like Steve Sarkeesian is putting together a, a pretty good staff uh, down in Austin. Obviously, we saw Tom Herman and thought that he was doing the exact same thing, and we all saw how that turned out. But all in all, I don't have too much – uh, th- there's really I don't have too many problems with this uh, ESPN poll. I think I think it's pretty I think it's pretty good from top to bottom. There's a few head scratchers, but all in all, um, honestly, nothing to complain about really. Yeah, I think 21 for Texas is probably about right. I I think they're going to see a step up in quarterback play. Actually, with with Sam Ellinger leaving, I think Casey Thompson looked really great against Colorado. But overall, from a team success standpoint, they're going to have to really overcome some of their key pieces in Sam Cosme and Joseph Osai leaving. That's really tough to overcome, especially when those guys are, are playing on your offensive and defensive lines. But it, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Texas, the only Big 12 teams that are ranked. Is there is there anyone from the Big 12 that you think could finish in the standings that isn't there right now? Just finish in the top 25 in general, or are you talking about somebody that has a chance to you know maybe make a run and sneak their way into the top 10? Uh, give me one of both, I guess. Uh, top 10 for me. I mean, honestly, Texas might be the obvious choice just because, you know, new faces, new quarterback. Um, I think that they could be one if they get on a run, you know, maybe, you know, win eight, nine, 10 games. That could be someone that slides into the top 10 top 25 though. I'm going to stick. I'm going to go up to Manhattan with, uh, Chris Kleiman, uh, in Kansas State. Obviously, getting Skyler Thompson back, Deuce Vaughn going in into his second year at the running back position. Chris Kleiman, as good of a coach as he is, he's going to get the most out of his guys. Um, so I would expect the Wildcats, especially given the fact that I think they're going to have a pretty favorable home schedule next year. They're going to get some of the big guys at home next year, like in Oklahoma, like in Iowa State. So you know, maybe hold serve against the teams that you're supposed to beat. Knock off an knock off an OU or an Iowa State, maybe even Texas down in Austin. You know, watch if if Skyler Thompson and Deuce Vaughn can stay healthy. You know, don't be surprised if uh, you know you flip the calendar into December next year and you see it like a Kansas State holding firm in that 15 to 25 range. I agree with that. That's the team that I was thinking of as far as making a run and finishing inside the top 25. They start off the year in the Cowboy Classic kickoff here in Arlington against Stanford. And I feel like that's just going to be a game that's going to get hyped up. Stanford's not what they used to be, but I think K-State can get a big bump off of beating Stanford in that game, just based on where it's being played. And then they get OU at home this year. So, you know, there's some things working in their their favor. They're going to be a senior-laden team. So I think they have a real potential there to, to finish in the top 25. As far as a top 10 finish coming from off the map, you maybe think West Virginia has a chance, but I don't know if they have enough uh, pizzazz and oomph on offense for me. I'm thinking TCU, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I'm more in the camp of Gary Patterson has kind of, I don't know, past his prime necessarily, but the last five or six years, he's had a couple of good years, but mainly – kind of head-scratching years. And it seems like he's moving into that Mike Gundy territory. Possibly, but a little bit lower standard of play. And really, I'm basing this all around Chandler Morris transferring to TCU and and loving what I saw from him at OU this past season. It's going to hurt watching him at TCU because he'll probably be good. I I just wonder if he'll be enough to carry the the team or or if he'll be able to elevate everyone else's play around him. And so I could see them. They, they have a lot of talent there at TCU. 
if you know they have a great year and play in the Big 12 championship game, that could be enough to get them in the top 10. Yeah, I completely agree with you. We'll see if Max Duggan can take another step going into another year down in Fort Worth. I think the TCU will definitely have the talent. Gary Patterson, he's kind of a genius when it comes to, you know, coaching defense and the schematics and all that. So we'll see if TCU can 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 kind of rise up and, and take that next step in the Big 12. It's going to be a fun year, uh, 20, 2021 for, God, I keep wanting to say 2020. I got to get out of that habit, but uh, it, it's going to be a fun year in the Big 12 for 2021. I think that OU is far and away going to be the best team from a talent standpoint. Um, and again, you, I, I, I don't expect anybody, you know, maybe then a few beat riders down in Austin, you know, we're probably going to get a few Iowa state first place votes, maybe even a few Texas votes also with Steve Sarkeesian coming in, people drinking the Kool-Aid down in Austin. But, um, I think that it's, it's going to be OU's, it's going to be OU's conference again this year. Um, and I think it's going to be super competitive from that two seed all the way down, uh, to, to the bottom, you know, just shy before Kansas. So, um, but Adam, any, anything else kind of here, um, you know, looking at the, looking at the top 25 or maybe big 12 power rankings, um, before we kind of, you know, kind of finish up here with, uh, I guess kind of a fun topic. Yeah. Just looking at the rankings, if I had to pick a team outside the top 10 to, to make a playoff run, I think I'm going to have to go with Iowa. They were a little bit quiet this year, mainly because I guess the Big uh, Big Ten didn't start until halfway through the year, and then Iowa's last two games were canceled because of COVID. But I, I like the the direction that they're trending and the schedule that they have. There's quite a few tough games, but nothing that you know. There's no Ohio State on the schedule. Open the season, Indiana at home at Iowa State in Week Two. That's going to be tough. For that's sure. going to be a, yeah. That's yeah. going to be a fun game. They get Penn State at home. Uh, and then they play at Wisconsin on the last Saturday of the year. So um, nothing that's impossible to overcome, but a few quality wins along the way potentially. Uh, and then if they're playing a, an Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, that maybe they don't get solid quarterback play and, and you know, it's a beatable Ohio State on a rebuilding or reloading year. I like Iowa's chances to to be able to maybe sneak into the playoffs in that number four seed. Yeah, and just kind of kind of finishing up this topic, <clears throat> looking at Oklahoma schedule because this is this is an OU podcast. I, th- I think that the twenty twenty one home schedule for OU's got a chance to be one of their best in in quite a few years. I mean, you've got Nebraska coming into town, kind of renewing that rivalry. Uh, <clears throat> that that'll be a fun one to do. We'll see what Scott Frost and that bunch, uh, what what they're going to bring into Norman. Uh, but then you look at, like I said, look at a team like Iowa State, preseason number eight right now. They're going to have that early season non-conference matchup against Iowa. And Adam, if if the Cyclones can knock off, can knock off Iowa, you're looking at a potential, you know, top five, top six matchup in Norman between OU and Iowa State. You know, if, if that's an early season matchup, so it's going to be fun to watch. And like I said, I I cannot wait for the 2021 season to get here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Well. What's uh? Let's see here. You got on here. Fun topic: vacation. Lincoln Riley. Where are you going with this one, dude? Yeah. So, just got me thinking. I know uh, the season finished up, and Lincoln Riley has reportedly been on some golf courses in Cabo. And so, uh, I just wanted to do a little fun one. Maybe pick a, a vacation spot where where you haven't been before that maybe is on your wish list or. Uh, would be something that you know you would go to if you were a college football coach or maybe a professional player or something like that. Um, and your your season ends, you know, where are you jet setting off to uh, to to kick back and relax? Uh, and I'll, I'll kick this off. Uh, give you a little time to think of one. 
But uh, for me, I'm not the type of guy that's just going to go sit on a beach and just lay there. Uh, that sounds like a waste of my time to just sit there and do nothing. Uh, I lo love to be active. So uh, something that I actually love to do, uh, and I've only done it in a couple different places, but I love zipline courses uh, or nice. doing really big ziplines. Uh, you, you won't catch me jumping out of a plane and doing any type of skydiving. Uh, but I think this is probably like the closest thing uh, to that that I would do that I just have a, a blast doing. And so uh, if I could go anywhere in the world and do that, uh, I may butcher the pronunciation of this, but uh, Wahiki Island, uh, which is down near Auckland, New Zealand, has some great zip lines. And I think what we'll do is we'll probably tweet out some pictures and stuff of, of the, these two items, uh, I guess, uh, two vacation spots. Uh, so so you guys can get a, a feel for what that looks like. But um, some incredible views down there in New Zealand. And I think it would be just great to zip line over top of everything down there. So I, I like it. Honestly, if, if you're going on that, take me with you. I, I like zip line. I've done it a couple different times. I had a chance to do it um, earlier as a kid um, when we, we took a trip down to, to Puerto Rico um, and actually did one, you know, kind of over the, I don't know, wilderness, jungle, whatever it was. So that's that's a fun yeah. thing to do and take it to a, a, an awesome place where, you know, beautiful scenery. I think that that would be an absolute blast. So I will um, say it's better to do those types of zip lines outside of the U.S. where the safety uh, guidelines are a little bit more lenient. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Living on the edge. So yeah, <laughs> where all, where all have you done them before in the past? Uh, so the first one that I did was, uh, in the Caribbean, uh, on an Island there. And it was, it was total fun. There's some in Oklahoma down in Southern Oklahoma as well. Um, they're still pretty good, but not nearly as great as, uh, doing it like in a, in a rainforest or a jungle or, a, you know, any type of unique setting like that. Gotcha. Well, I, I didn't really know when you, when you posted this question on the outline, I, I didn't really know kind of what the, I don't know, where would I go? I, I wrote down three or four different ones just cause I mean, is this like a, is this a boy's trip? Is this a, you know, is this something for, you know, fa father and son? Is this going with a significant other? So it, it, I'm just going to go ahead and lay out all four of them. Maybe our listeners have, go have gone to some of them for one, number one for me, I'm going to Pebble beach, California. I'm renting a house on the beach. I'm taking the golf clubs. I'm going to turn it into a two to three day trip. I'm going to play Pebble Beach, one of the most iconic golf courses in the world. I'm going to be taking that in. Next day, I'm going to be going to Spyglass Hill uh, the, the next day, get 18 holes at that course. You know, the, those are two of the most iconic golf courses in the world. And honestly, I think they're separated by less than 10 miles. So get a house on the beach, play a couple rounds of golf. I'm uh, that's, that's probably number one for me. Number two. I'm staying with a, with the golf road trip also. I'm going out to, to Arizona with a couple buddies. Uh, I'm going to start up in Flagstaff, uh, play around at Forest Highlands. Beautiful course, beautiful weather. I think that would be outstanding. Take a trip down south, go to Scottsdale National, finish it up at the stadium course at TPC Scottsdale. If I'm, if I'm not playing golf, I'm probably going to go somewhere tropical if I'm going with a significant other. I've always kind of wanted to go to Bora Bora, beautiful water, beautiful beaches, beautiful place. Um, but again, if you're not going with a significant other, let's go somewhere cheaper, maybe, you know, all-inclusive resort, something like that. If I'm rounding it out like a true week-long vacation, Adam, I'm a huge Italian food fan. If it's pasta, if it's got sauce, I love it. I know it's not good for you, but it's fantastic. I want to go to Italy for a week, Rome, Florence eat all the good food, drink all the good wine, see all the, 
uh, the beautiful scenery, you know, meet meet all the new people, different things like that. So Pebble Beach, Arizona, Bora Bora, Italy. The, dude, find me at any one of those places. I'm down for that. Yeah, I, I agree with all those. I've been to Olive Garden, so I know what you're talking about. Yes, unlimited breadsticks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I'm sure that the atmosphere inside the Olive Garden is an exact replica as what you would get at like some Italian eatery uh, d- down in uh, over in Florence. So, I, I, hey, if if I don't want to spend the money to uh, uh, f- f- fly across the world, hey, let's let's just uh, meet up at the Olive Garden next time you're in town, and we'll we'll yeah. get the full hey. experience. So, hey, I'm sure Scottsdale has an Olive Garden. You can knock out two trips in one. There you go. There you go. And uh, we'll there. There's honestly, there's probably not a beach. There's not a beach within about ten to twelve hours of Norman. So, I might have to drive through Dallas and pick you up. We'll, we'll go down <laughs> to the beach somewhere. And hell, there's probably an Olive Garden down on the coast that we can do. We'll just knock it out and play some uni course. And uh, we'll we'll just you know live take it to the full effect, and uh, we'll just knock we'll cross off all those buckets. So maybe find a zip line along the way. So, uh, dude, anything else before we get out of here? That's all I got. <laughs> cool. Well, like I said, th- this has been fun, and this is kind of something that we're going to do. Obviously, it is the off season. There's not as much football news, obviously, until we get to spring practice, moving into summer workouts, and obviously, as we get towards the the latter part of summer, we'll start going diving into the 2021 preview. We got a lot of really cool things planned, but you know, each week we're we're just going to kind of do some off the wall stuff, some off the wall topics. You know, maybe kind of touch on a few different OU football, college football, sports-related themes, maybe kind of um, take a stab at it from a different perspective that not a lot of people are talking about. So if you guys have anything that you want to get talked about, any guests, maybe anything like that, shoot us a message. We always appreciate the feedback. Like and subscribe. You can find all of our stuff on Apple, Spotify, all the different platforms. But again, we we enjoy doing this. We appreciate you guys for listening and Give us a follow on Twitter at the mainline pod one. You can find Adam, find myself, Tyler on the page also. And again, always appreciate you guys listening. Love the feedback. And Adam, thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely. Have a good one, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. See you guys.